Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So King Solomon is the writer of the book of Proverbs. King Solomon was, this at this time in Israel's history, the kingdom of Israel is established. Like there's no other greater kingdom in the world at this known time than Israel. It's like the United States, we are a powerhouse in this world, right? It's like the United States is the powerhouse, you know, the economy that we have, all the things that we have, we, we put our confidence in those things. But those are the wrong things to put our confidence in. It's only in Jesus that we're able to have true confidence because eventually your life will end. You will die. I will die. And and we are all going to stand before God, every single one of us, on that judgment day. And for us as believers, we're going to be welcomed into his kingdom, and we're going to have to give, give an account of everything that we've done here on this earth. That is kind of sobering, right? Everything that you do here on this earth, your thoughts, your attitudes, I'm not even talking about the outside like sins that people do. I'm talking about the heart issues, right? Our heart issues. And Solomon is going to go over some of these because it's very important for us as believers to behave When people see us, they need to see the kingdom of God in us. And what does that mean? They need to see you in honesty, in walking honestly before the Lord. That's the first key as we go through this. Honesty, humility, integrity, kindness, generosity. They need to see those things in you because people are watching believers. People are watching Christians. And unfortunately, you know, I work with non-believer people or people that follow other faiths. And they always are, and I'm watching them, they're watching me. And it's like, you know, who's going to mess up first? Or what can I, what in my life is going to stumble them from coming to know God? Or God using me in that circumstance to help them bring to the kingdom, right? So people are watching us. And the first point I want to make is honesty. We have to have honesty in our lives, guys. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 says this. And I know Josh has some of it on the scripture series. It says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So back in this time, when you would go to the marketplace to get your food or whatnot, It's not like our money economy system that we have nowadays, right? You go, and they have these scales. They have these scales. They weigh it out and see how much um, that they're going to charge you because the weight is so much. So in order, you know, we over here in the United States, we use pounds. So if I go to the grocery store, and there's a scale, and I weigh it, and it's a dishonest scale, that is being deceitful. And the scripture right here says a false balance in dishonest business practices are extremely offensive to the Lord. But an accurate scale is his delight. Honesty in our lives is very important. 
You cannot be a believer and be a liar all the time because we do tell white lies or we do have an expression when you're backed up in a corner and a question comes your way. We do tend to tell lies, don't we, church? And I'm just thinking back in my life as a believer, I'm like, oh, that was a lie. That was a lie. That was a white lie. That was a little lie. A lie is a lie. You're a liar. You're still lying. The Bible tells us it's important for us as believers to be honest. Honesty, and that's something lost in today's world. In Proverbs 16, 11, it says this, Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. Proverbs 20, verse 10 says, Diverse weights, diverse measures, they are both alike. An abomination to the Lord. Diverse weights and abomination to the Lord and dishonest scales are not good. Proverbs 20, 23. Is Solomon trying to tell us something in the book of Proverbs about honesty? And what is it for us? We need to be honest in our walks with God. We need to be honest with one another. Honesty is something that we can hold on to because when you're honest and you're not telling lies, you never have to tell another lie because to cover up one lie. How many times have you, uh, have we gotten in a situation, oh, you told a little white lie, yeah, I'm going to, you know, whatever, and then you forgot about that, and that person sees you, and then you tell another lie to cover up that lie, and then you know another person in the conversation, and they're like, huh? They're looking at you, what? That's not the truth. It's important for us as believers to be honest with one another. In Deuteronomy 25, 13, 16 says this. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall not, you shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. The first key of wisdom for living is honesty. Let's be honest in our lives with other people. Let's be honest with ourselves when we mess up. Let's be honest with God because you can't hide your sin. You, you know, we may fool each other here at church, which you can, but you're not fooling God. I'm not fooling God. If you have a you know, if you're not honest about a bad attitude, if you're not honest about bitterness, if you're not honest about the sense of the heart that nobody sees, the devil can use that to come in and allow you to just fester in that, and then he'll just take you off the shelf from being used for the kingdom of God. We need to be honest with God. We need to be honest in our places of work. We need to be honest when we pay our bills. We need to be honest when we pay our taxes. We need to be honest citizens. The white lies, we need to knock those out. The little lies, they're not little. Jesus died for those little lies. I encourage you. Encourage myself too. It says abomination is a thing that causes disgust or hatred. That's what abomination means. God hates it. 
God hates it when we lie, when we live in the attitude of lying, when we live in the attitude of not being honest with him, when we live in an attitude of not being honest with one another, when we live in an attitude when we're not honest with ourselves, what we struggle in. God hates those things. He hates when we lie. He wants us to be have an honest relationship with him and with one another. Amen? Amen. Living your life or having the attitude of dishonesty or lying is disgusting to God. God is not pleased with that. Jesus died on the cross so that we don't have to tell lies to God. We don't have to tell lies to one another. He paid it all. Honesty pleases God and brings him great pleasure, as we see in the scriptures. When we're honest, it pleases God. He's, you know, it's like a sweet-smelling aroma to him when we live our, our lives in honesty. When we have the attitude of honesty, we live in peace. When you're not telling lies and you're not trying to cover up a lie with another lie, if you're being honest about situations, you go, to, you go to bed at night and you sleep and you're peaceful about it. You're not struggling with your thoughts. Oh, man, I did this, I did that. The simple thing is just be honest. It pleases God and it puts us in peace. Okay, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. This is the second key, and I hope you're writing these down. So the first key is honesty. The second key here, the second key of wisdom for living is humility. Look at the scriptures here. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. So when pride comes boiling up with an arrogant attitude, you know, when you have the arrogant attitude of self-importance, then comes dishonor and shame. But with the humble, the teachable, those who are humbled, who are teachable, God walks with them humbly. There is wisdom and soundness of mind. Proverbs 16, 18 says this about pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Right? What about Proverbs 18, 12? Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty and before honor is humility. God tells us to walk in humility because eventually if you're prideful and you walk in that way, you have that attitude, you will fall. The, exam- the examples in the Bible is listed with all the people that have fallen because of pride. And you and I can fall because of pride. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. So as we are going through the book of um, Daniel, on Wednesdays, Daniel chapter 4, Pastor Ben covered this, Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 to 33 Right. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had the greatest kingdom in all the earth at that time during this reign. So he captured Israel. He captured all these other kingdoms and he's bringing them in. He's assimilating them to their way of living. So he's successful. He built this, you know, humongous city. It's the greatest city throughout the known world at his time. And so. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 28 to 33, I don't know if he has it up there. Do you have it up there, Josh? Okay, anyways, summarize. Uh, 4, 28, 33. Nebuchadnezzar was so full of himself because his kingdom of that world at that time. He was so full of himself. He was so prideful. He goes up to his palace and he looks around. He built the hanging gardens for his wife. He's got all these riches, all these things. He, he's so full of himself. He goes up, he goes... 
man, look what I, look what I have done. Look what I have built. And God said, oh, really? You built this. You, the only one. And he allowed him to live like an animal for seven years because of his pride. Took away like that. He, was, he went out of his mind and he became like, the Bible talks about, he became like an animal grazing on grass from the guy who was high up here and now he was, he's on the grass eating grass. How his pride, how his proudfulness attitude and God checked him. Seven years later, he comes out of that. He says, the first thing he says, you know what? All this that I have, it's from God. And he acknowledges that. And he was restored to his right mind. That's Nebuchadnezzar's story. What's our story, right? What are some situations that you and I go through that makes us proud? That can sneak in. Right? I can tell you as a husband and as a father, it's like, I'm really proud because I provide for my family. Like I watch after them. You know, you can get, that's a good thing, but you can get in a state where that type of attitude, when you rely on yourself, if you don't thank God for giving you the wisdom and the knowledge to raise your family up according to the Bible, that can get you in trouble, right? Or what about at work? I'm in sales. No, I've been doing sales ever since we moved out here, 2005. Not only in sales, but in car sales. And I oversee a group of people who are sales guys. And this is a testimony to God. Ever since I've been placed in a position where, a position of authority where I got to produce every single month. And this is about five, six years I've been in my position where basically I'm in charge of the sales things with the money flow and all that. God has increased it every single year since I've been there. The sales this year in our tax time for our business have like went from, it, it increased 100%. Like our sales guys have never made so much money in their lives and they're like, and I tell them, hey, save your money. And in the past, because I started off in sales selling cars, and I'm real good at selling cars. I'm like real uh, determined, and that could be a place where I can get myself in trouble because I'm relying on myself. And this comes back to honesty. And I always tell my guys, guys, be honest with people. You don't have to try to pull a curtain over them. Be honest. And every time I go to work, I always pray to God to bless that place because there's families that are being taken care of by that business. There's people making money. There's, there's a living. You know, people are making a living from that business. And I go there, and I pray in the parking lot before I go in, God, thank you for your blessings of today. I know where my blessings come from. Because in the past, I, you know, in the past, when I was in sales, I'm like, I'm gung-ho. I got to do it. I'm going to outwork everybody else. 
And it's all about me, me, me. It's all about pride. Right? No matter what profession you're in or even in ministry, we do that. Pride. Pastors get prideful. These mega churches. Man, I hear some of the teaching that they spew from the pulpit. It's like all about them. It's never about God. It's all about them and what they've done and what they're going to do. And you hardly hear anything about God did it. No, it's what we've done. It's the systems we put in place. It's the process we put in place. Nebuchadnezzar, the lesson we need to learn. Do not be prideful. Second key of wisdom for living is humility. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of us, of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That is a great scripture to live by, right? To be humble, to show mercy and kindness, and to walk before the Lord in humility. So, what is an example of being humble? To be humble does not mean to have a low opinion of yourself, but rather to have an accurate one and to put your accomplishments into perspective. For example, it means, to, it means acknowledging that you are smart, if you are smart, but not all-knowing, or that you have power, but not omnipotent. You're not all-powerful. You know, it's like a guy going to the gym. Yeah, I'm really strong, but you can't lift the world. You maybe lift 400 pounds, but God can snap the universe into place. What, what's, where, where's your power at? So, prideful, we have to recognize that. Um, what does God say about being humble? We just read it in Micah 6, 8. Also, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Church, listen to this, because this is what we live through as a church. When we have strife and bitterness in our church, this is what the Bible tells us what to do. Listen to this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than yourself. You, look at your neighbor around you. You need to esteem one another higher than yourself. I need to esteem you higher than myself. And 2.4 says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others, especially in the church. Right? Especially in the church. We don't need to be hurting ourselves in the church. That's your brother and sister if you're trying to hurt them. If you talk bad, bad about somebody, if you have, you know, if you want to start rumors against another brother or sister in the church, be very, very careful. You may not get checked today, but you will get checked. Pride. Let's check our pride at the door. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3. So this is the third key. Are we getting the keys? Yes, we're not sleeping, right? Okay. Yes, I fall in your place too, so no, no worries. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 says this, The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. So the third key of wisdom for living is integrity. 
integrity. That's something very lacking in today. People don't have integrity no more. There is like no integrity in mankind. And if you do have integrity, it's a prideful integrity if you don't have Jesus. What is integrity? Integrity means being honest and having a strong moral principles, right? A person with integrity behaves ethically and does the right thing, check this, even behind closed doors. Even behind closed doors. Christian, you leave here from church today, you go home, and we're tempted with things. Right? Men, we're tempted sexually with things. Right? We are. If we do not have integrity in our walks with Christ, we are going to end up giving in to those strifes and to those strongholds that the Bible talks about. What are the strongholds in your life that you need to get a hold of in order for you to have integrity, to walk in integrity with Jesus? Integrity comes in many different forms, right? There are lots of ways to show uh, integrity in everyday life and work. Doing things like being accountable for your mistakes, accepting helpful criticism, and following through on your commitments will help you to show integrity in your life. Dependability, right? Being dependable is a, is a sign of integrity in your life. Dependability means people can rely on you and that you keep your promises, you keep your word. You know, um, it's funny how we as believers, as Christians, you know, because church and church uh, stuff that we do, like the outreaches and the organ, you know, the church ministry stuff, it's very easy for us to blow those things off. But when it comes to things like our jobs, because it makes us money, or something that's very valuable to us, like fishing, or any hobby that you have, it, it's valuable, right? We, we go after those things harder than we go after the things of God. And I'm speaking from experience, because I live through these things. Like, I pursue the things of the world at times harder than what I pursue the things of God. Because the love of the world, the love, the lust of the world, the love that the world is attractive, it wants you to come. The devil, the enemy wants you to not be involved in anything godly in your life, especially as believers. He wants us to pay attention on these things that are eventually going to fade away. Now, there are good things in our lives that we should pay attention to, but they should not take priority over God. Your family. You know, I see this in my uh, brothers. You know, they're, um, they, have young, they have young kids, and their kids are very athletic, and they're 
all into sports, and they do it 24-7 throughout the whole. I mean, football doesn't end in just a season. Football is like a year-round thing now. You go pads, then you get out of pads, you go flag, get out of flag, you go tournaments, you get out of tournament, and that's their life. It's very valuable, and they chase it. And the things of God have been put aside because of these things. What in your life have you esteemed higher than the things of God? What have we put in front instead of putting God first or God all, right? What are the things that we do? It could be our jobs. We need jobs. We need a way to make a living. But it can't be the all to be it all. It cannot be. Can it be our families? Yes, it can be our families. But, it, you know, all these things are good. Our careers, our families, our whatever you want to put in that. It's so much better with Jesus in the forefront. So much better. It's like a thousand, your family, you love your family a thousand percent more because of Jesus. Because you pursue Jesus. Integrity. And uh, they talk about, you know, integrity, to have integrity in what we do. Even in ministry, right? Have integrity. If you say you're going to do something, volunteers, listen to me. I'm a volunteer myself. We're all in the same boat. So if I step on your foot, I'd step on mine first. If you signed up for a ministry and you're supposed to be at that ministry at that hour, at that minute, and you're not there, that's not showing integrity. If we say, hey, we're going to meet at 9 o'clock to do this ministry, and you're always late, there's something wrong with your integrity. And the Bible tells us we need to fix that. Don't volunteer, or don't say you're going to show up and never show up, or show up late. Just don't do it. Guess what? God had many people that could step into that role. No matter what role it is. No matter if you're behind a guitar behind this pulpit, a singer, whatever role it is, have integrity in serving God in that role. Quit making excuses. I think some of us need to hear that this morning, especially if we choose to volunteer in the children's ministry and we never show up, we never, you know, it's just a thing of the, you know, convenience. You're serving God, first and foremost. It's God's thing that you're letting that you're saying, I can't do it. It's not like God twisted our arms saying, I need to do this thing. Have integrity in our walks. Amen? Whew, this is getting deep. <laughs> Every time I teach, I'm like, God, what do you, you know, first I pray about it, and I didn't even come up with this teaching until... Pastor Ben was like, did you choose a teaching yet? I'm like, I just got to pray through this thing. I don't know if God wants me to teach on this or teach on something else. But I think he wants us to really learn about being a good representative of him. So the fourth key of wisdom for living is kindness. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17. 
Kindness is the fourth key. So Proverbs eleven seventeen says, The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. In the New Living Translation, it says, Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. In the English Standard Version, it says, A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. So the merciful and generous man benefits his soul, for this behavior returns to bless him. But the cruel and callous man does himself harm. That's from the Amplified Bible. I love going through the different types of uh, the versions, the translations. But I always come back to the New King James because it's like the full, for me it's just really, really speaks to me. So, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, those who are kind, right? Those who walk in humility, those who are kind, for they shall receive mercy. And what is the real meaning of kindness? According to the dictionary, I looked this up, kindness is defined as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. That's what kindness is. Kindness is the way God treats the human race, right? God is very kind to you and I. He is kind to the sinner. Jesus said, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Luke 6.35. Kindness is the way God has always related to to people, to mankind. God is very kind. He is kind to you and I this morning. He is kind to the sinner. He is kind to the drug addict. He is kind to the prostitutes. He is kind to all the lost people. He is so kind. He sent his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his precious son, Jesus Christ, that we may have life because he's so kind. And Jesus Jesus did not come to condemn or judge the world when he came to earth. He came to save a lost world. He is so kind to you. He's so kind to me. Jesus says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Therefore, as God's chosen people, you and I this morning, if we are born-again believers, you are a chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The fourth key of wisdom for living is kindness. Kindness means being considerate, courteous, helpful, understanding of others, showing care, compassion, friendship, and generosity, treating others as you would like to be treated. A kind person shows concern for the feelings of others and is helpful and is very generous. Don't we need that in this world? <laughs> we need kindness in this, in this world. Guys, but I mean, Lubbock is supposed to be like a, a religious city, but there is so much sin in this city. 
Like kids are shooting kids. Like when we first moved here, I never used to hear about a shooting or somebody getting murdered. And now it's like a weekly thing. It's like a, you know, and for us that moved from California, we know what California is all about. And we come out here and we're thinking we're going to a safe place. It's sinful. It's a sinful, just as sinful as California is, just as liberal as California is. Lubbock needs kindness, needs Jesus to save it. Let us show more kindness to one another. And for me, it's really, you know, the person that knows me the most is my wife. Those who are married, right? They know you the best. And I'm like, you know, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We need to pray for that every single day, right? God, fill me with your Holy Spirit with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because we need it as a church. Right, church? Not only we need it in the church, it needs to be outside of the church. There is like, man, when we don't, we're not kind to one another. You know, I deal with uh, customers and with uh, problem headaches, as they call it. The last resort, it comes to my desk and then it goes to the general manager's desk. And I've got collectors and, um, you know, they, they handle the accounts and with, when a customer is just irate and he comes in and the collector's like, you know, the person responsible for that account is arguing with them and, and I try to tell them, hey, be kind to the people. When you're kind, it just like breaks down barrier walls. The customer comes in the other day, they just bought a car from us, their car broke down two days later. And when I sold, when we sold the car, I was the, uh, I oversaw that note going through. I came to them and said, hey, if you buy this car, we'll take care of you. I'm here. My word is good. And I know many other places tell you those things, but if anything happens, you know, you come see me. And so they drove away a couple days later, come to find out the car needs a new motor. And um, they were very irate. They just put $4,000 down on the vehicle. It's not an easy thing for people to do, Right? And they're very mad. It's the only car they have. And the accounts manager was just like, you know, not being compassionate or kind or showing empathy for the situation. And so he was, they were so upset, they came into the office. And I'm hearing this commotion in like our lobby area and other customers. I'm like, what is going on? So I walk out there and I notice, you know, it was the, Customers we had just dealt with a few, you know, few days, few days earlier. And they were so upset. And I'm like, I just let them vent. You know, I told them, hey, come on to my office. Let me get you something to drink. Let's sit down. I just let them speak for like five, ten minutes. Y'all dishonest. Y'all this. Y'all that. Now, keep in mind, our company has been around the Lubbock area uh, servicing customers for over 25 years. So we try to do the right thing. Especially if I'm in charge of a certain situation, we're always going to do the right thing, and that's what I tell my people. So they come in, I let them vent, I let them just get over it, 
and the kindness that I showed them just, you know, settled everything down. Long story comes short, we're going to help them out and whatnot. But your kindness is what leads people to Jesus, right? Your word, your integrity, kindness is very important. Hey, look, we have one more key left. The fifth key of wisdom. So that was the fourth key of wisdom. So what was the first key? Second. Third. Fourth. Praise God, you guys are listening. All right. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. This is our last key, and we'll be closing out soon. The fifth key of wisdom for living is generosity. Generosity, right? The principle here is that generosity by God's blessing secures increases, while stinginess, if you're just not a generous person, leads to poverty instead of expected gain. The one who gives receives far more in return. Ain't that right? I'm thinking about all the givers in my life, like those who just give, and they like continuously give. I'm thinking about like you, Miss Eva, and Mike, and I think about, you know, Danny and Anna, how they give to their grandkids and their kids. And I'm thinking about the testimony that you have because you are generous, right? You're generous. I'm thinking about Pastor Ben, how he gives his time to study the Word of God, put a message together, because it's not easy. Not everybody can come do this. First of all, you're going to be accountable for your words that you say up here. And you're, you're going to have to be responsible of teaching God's Word correctly or rightly. So, and he's very giving in that way. And he's giving to the body. I mean, gets calls even that night. If he has to, he goes out there, he prays. I mean, there's a lot that a uh, senior pastor has to walk through with his body. And sometimes when you're, you know, when you give and you give and you give, you get to a point where, I don't know about for you, but for me it's like, why am I, it's like, when you don't have the Holy Spirit, like as your fuel, you eventually, that giving, that giving that you produce on your own, eventually fades away. And now you're doing it just to do it. But you're not doing it out of love. Right? And I want us to be a church who's generous. When I say generous, I don't mean generous in just your money. I mean generous in your spirit of how you treat others. Generous in the way that you talk to other people. Generous in a way that you forgive when you're hurt. Generous in a way that pleases and glorifies God ultimately. So Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters himself 
will be watered. Uh, in the Amplified Bible, I'm going to read you this. It says, There is the one who generously scatters abroad and yet increases all the more, and there is the one who withholds what is justly due but results only in wants and in poverty. The generous man or woman is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sown. The fifth key of wisdom for living is generosity. The principle here is that generosity by God's blessing secures increases. There's a principle that we need to learn as a church to be generous. Right? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 11. Look at this. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided. This is the key right here. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Don't feel pressure to, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work at it. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. There are different forms of generosity. We can be generous with our thoughts, our words, right? With our words, we can be generous when we could hurt people. With the tongue, it's very powerful what our words produce. We can be generous with our money, our resources, our time, our things, our influences, our attention. God wants us to be generous. He wants us to be generous, right? Generous to the people that we come in contact with. Generous people often give more than they are asked to give. When you have a generous heart attitude, you're going to give more and beyond what is asked of you. And the reason why is because we want to please the Father. That should be the motivator of everything that we do. It's not because we're going to give so they can see what I give. <laughs> that goes back to pride, right? That goes back to our keys. Generous people give in response to a great cause. You know, when we have ministries here, when we have certain ministries throughout the year, and Pastor Ben says, hey, we're having this ministry on this date, there's a cause to it, we should be a church who's generous with the giving to make that happen, with our resources, with our time. Generous people give even when it doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's hard to do, because if it doesn't make sense to me, I don't want to participate in it or do something, but it's God's work. 
you don't have to understand it. You just have to know that God's involved and he wants to use you in that. Get involved. A lot of times we question it. Well, what, 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 what do I have to do for that, for that day during that ministry? You know, we have a big Easter celebration coming in. And we need all our church family to be involved. We're going to ask you to show up early to invite people to do what we need to do to pack this house out. And all these blue chairs filled up because we know the gospel is going to be preached. So we need you guys to be generous. Not only with your time and money and energy and resources, but we need you to be generous of telling people to invite them in. Generous people give to see the impossible become possible. And we see that throughout the Bible. We see it. Generous people, God's people, generous people give when others will not. So we know the keys for living, right? But you know what? Let me close out with this. All those things we covered, there are non-believers. There are people that are not born again believers that are doing these things. That are probably doing it way better than we are. Shameful to us, right? Many good moral people in the world live with honesty, humility, integrity, kindness, generosity. What we just covered but are not born again and will end up in hell if we don't give them the gospel. So I want to bring this all back to what? To a person named Jesus. Come to Jesus today and his spirit will save you from judgment. Your good can't save you no matter how much you try. All those keys that we covered, if you're not born again, you're lost. And if you are born again and the keys that we covered, you have, you need to work on some of those issues, go to God. God, give me the strength to be kind, to have honesty, to have humility, to be integrity, to be a generous person of yours, Father. And that's where I want to close. If you're here this morning and your life looks great from the outside, but you are not born again, I invite you to know him this morning. And it's simple as this. I'm going to go into prayer. We're going to pray. A long time ago, I was in the church filled up. And this is why I love Pastor Ben, what he does. It doesn't matter if there's five people in here or there's 50,000 people. He's going to give an invitation. And I'm going to give you an invitation to come to Jesus if you don't know him. If you do not know him this morning, come to him. He will save you. He will save you. And he will be with you forever. As Anthony comes up here, we're going to do a song. I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to do one last song. For those who don't know Jesus, uh, if you're here this morning, I ask that you pray in your heart. And it may be a simple prayer as, God, I am a sinner. 
I need saving from your judgment. And God, I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible, but I know that you can save me. I'm here, Father. No fancy prayer. God knows what's in your heart. And if you're a believer this morning and the keys that we covered, if you're struggling with honesty or humility, integrity, or being kind, I pray that we would all grow in those areas. Being generous. Because he is so generous to you and I. He's so generous that the Father sent His Son to come on this earth to live as a man. Perfect sacrifice for you and I. Your good works will not save you. We don't come to a an organization, rules and regulations, we come to a person. His name is Jesus. God, would you please help us to be honest, to live in integrity, to have humility, to be generous, to live our life being kind. Would you please help us, God? I pray that your spirit will pour on this place the gift, the fruit of your Holy Spirit, Father. I pray that you will fill us with your love, joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, your self-control, Father, that we would live out these things. We thank you for you are good. We just want to tell you we love you this morning. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.